Hey guys, this week we have a question about deposits when buying a business. Let's take a look. Hey there everyone, it's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, SoundCloud, and iTunes podcast where I talk about buying, selling, managing, financing, small and medium-sized businesses, and anything else that you guys send in questions about. This week I have a question from a viewer who asks a two-part question. Number one, is there a rule of thumb about how much deposit to offer the seller? Also, when do you give the deposit? Should it be given along with the offer or should it be given after the seller accepts the offer? Two really good questions. Now, let's get serious. If you're going to offer to buy a business and you're negotiating back and forth and you come to an agreement, do you want your money to be in jeopardy? Like, do you want your money to be held somewhere where if the deal doesn't work out that you might not get your money back? And of course, the answer is no. So is there a rule of thumb about what kind of deposit to offer a seller? Of course there is. Zero. You don't offer a deposit. You wait for them to ask for it, right? Because if they never ask for it, why would you ever put money in jeopardy? Now, if you're making an offer to someone and you're just dealing directly with the seller, um, you know, they might not think to ask for a deposit or if they do ask for a deposit, um, where does the money go? right? Does it go to them? Does it go to their lawyer? Does it go to your lawyer, right? These things actually can be negotiated. So I've been involved in deals before where a buyer has made an offer to a seller and the seller says, hey, I want a deposit. And the buyer says, sure, um, how about a $10,000 deposit? And uh, I'm going to deposit that with my attorney in his trust account. And I'll show you the receipt so you know that the money is there. Right. And then he says, no, 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 it has to go with my attorney. And then they go, great. So under what terms is it released? Right. Because you want to be certain that if you find something in due diligence, that your deposit can come back to you. And you don't want to be caught up in any shenanigans like what sometimes happens with real estate deals where you have to get both parties to sign off that the deposit can be refunded. You want to have the ability to withdraw from the deal knowing that your money needs to come back to you. And what better way to know that your money comes back to you than having it in your own account or in your own attorney's account. Now, when I was a business broker, what I used to do is a feature of every one of my offers was a line that said both parties understand that the deposit is fully refundable upon written request by the buyer should they decide not to proceed with the deal. And I made the sellers initial that line so that I didn't have to ask them permission to return the deposit. And that was very important here where I live because business brokers are, are regulated under the same rules as real estate agents here in New Brunswick. And so under those rules, I would have to get both parties to sign a slip saying that they agreed the deposit needed to be refunded. And I avoided all of that by inserting that line into my offer, which gave me the discretion because the seller had already agreed that the deposit was at all times fully refundable. Now, when did it become non-refundable? It would become non-refundable when they agreed that it become non-refundable. So, for example, if a buyer did due diligence and came to the end of the due diligence and said, now I want to talk to your senior staff, well, now the risk in the transaction increases for the seller. And it was typically at that point that the seller would say, okay, you want to talk to my managers? That's fine, but now your deposit becomes non-refundable 
and we would actually sign a little agreement to that. As to the question of at what point should the deposit money be handed over, not until there's an agreement. And, and in fact, most of my offers when I was a business broker would actually say that the, the deposit would be put into the broker's trust account within five days of an accepted offer. Why? Well, because sometimes we're talking about a lot of money. Um, I've had deposits of fifty dollars and $80,000 people typically don't just have that in their checking account. Sometimes it's in a brokerage account, it's in an investment account. Sometimes you have to um, actually give instructions to someone to sell securities or it takes time to get money out of a retirement account, for example. And so it may not be readily available in liquid form when the buyer makes the offer. So that was something I used to do, as I used to say, within a certain number of days of an accepted offer. And as we know, you can go back and forth with someone for weeks and not come up to an accepted offer. So you certainly don't want your money out there somewhere out of your control. Now, is it true that the deposit somehow makes the offer valid? Because one of the things that, one of the ideas that circulates is that the deposit somehow is consideration for an offer and that legally under the law, you need to have consideration for a contract to be binding. Well, if you live in certain jurisdictions, certain states and provinces, um, in an offer, there will sometimes be a little notation where you sign that says under seal, or sometimes people will have to put a little red dot on the, uh, on the offer or on an on a, a agreement to purchase and sale. And that dates back to the Middle Ages, the olden times when lords and, and uh, you know, the, the aristocracy, they used to be able to sign contracts and use their family seal in wax to say that they was signed under seal. And what that meant is that the contract didn't require any consideration to be valid. There didn't need to be a payment. So why do these ideas circulate? Why is there a notion out there that you need to have a deposit in order to make a deal good. Well, it's got nothing to do with buyers and sellers. It has to do with brokers, brokers who don't trust their own clients who are selling their businesses. Because you see, in a lot of cases, that's the business broker that holds the deposit. And when the business transaction actually occurs, when the deal is executed at the lawyer's office, the deposit money never goes to the lawyer's office. It's kept by the broker as part of their compensation. So the bigger the deposit that's created at the time of offer, the more secure the broker's commission. Anyway, I'll let you stew on that. If, uh, if you're interested in learning more about the relationship between sellers and brokers and you as a buyer, then you really should download my special report, How to Borrow Money from Business Brokers. You can find it at my website, davidcbarnett.com, and it explains the relationship and some of the pitfalls and hazards in that relationship and how business buyers can take advantage of certain situations when making a deal. And with that, if you are interested in buying a business someday, you really should be signing up for the course at businessbuyeradvantage.com. It's the cheapest way to spend nine and a half hours with me learning about how to find, execute, finance, negotiate for, etc. The small business is going to help you satisfy your goals. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. Bye.